Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast. I'm your host today, Adam Chop, and today with me is Mr. Tyrone with Anytime Fitness out of Largo, Florida. Tyrone, how's it going today, man? I'm doing all right today, Adam, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Um, appreciate taking the time out of your day to hop on the show and talk about everything that you're doing. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and open up to you. Go ahead and give the listeners uh, a little background, a little story on yourself, you know, uh, what you've done, your passion, and, you know, how you got into the industry. Yeah, man. So, like, for me, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I've been working out since I was a kid. So I probably started lifting weights when I was, like, 13 or 14 years old. And I played high school football. Uh, I walked on in college, played a little bit. So I always kind of worked out. Um, what I ended up doing, I became a personal trainer. Uh, I was NSCA at the time in college. And I did that for a while. Uh, I met a friend who told me about physical therapy. So I looked into it like around my sophomore year of college. And that's what I ended up going to school for, uh, to be a physical therapist. So. After I graduated undergrad, uh, I pretty much got into grad school uh, to go get my doctorate in physical therapy. So at that time, I just completely stopped doing uh, personal training altogether because I was in grad school. Uh, eventually, I ended up graduating fast forward and uh, I became a physical therapist. So I've worked with a ton of people, ton of settings, athletes, older folks, uh, injuries, you name it. I kind of work with a lot of different things. And what I found is um, I had a lot of members, a lot of, uh, not excuse me, not members, but a lot of different people, my clients, my patients, they'll ask me when we were done training, uh, or not training, when we were done with rehab, they'll ask me, hey man, do you have any exercises I can do now that I'm done rehabbing, or can you give me an exercise program? And pretty much I thought about like, hey, I get a lot of this, it's almost a perfect marriage after an injury, you want to continue to exercise. You want to continue to make your body better. You want to continue to make your body stronger. So I decided to go back to doing personal training, but at that time my NSCA had lapsed and I ended up going for my uh, NASM. So I went and got my NASM certified personal trainer and now I'm a personal trainer and a physical therapist. And uh, I ended up thinking about uh, what franchise can I get into? And after looking over a bunch of different franchises, uh, I talked to this one guy who owned Anytime Fitness, about three or four of them in my area, and he pretty much sold me on the brand. And from there, uh, it took about two years, but I opened my first Anytime Fitness. And not a great time in March of 2020, but I opened up and, uh, you know, I'm starting to apply the physical therapy to it as well. Awesome, man. Love, love the experience and the skills behind that, you know, uh, athletes and just people in general you know it's it's you know there's a lot, a lot of good background behind that and you found like a, a good niche between the two um you know it's it's taking you um to where you are now so awesome um so tyrone you know uh talk to us about you know the the facility itself you know obviously anytime fitness you know it's a you know most people they've heard the brand once or twice um but when somebody comes into your facility you know kind of walk through like all the services everything that you offer kind of like what's their experience going to be like if you were looking to bring them on and they were looking to to find a uh, facility to work out at? Yeah, man. So, you know, typically if somebody come in, you know, you obviously want to greet them and tour them and that kind of thing. 
me in general, man, I actually try to get to talking to them and figure out why did they come. Uh, you know, everybody's going to say, typically, uh, I just need a gym membership. And that's a typical response. But ideally, it's something that brought you in here. Uh, so I, I try to figure out, all right, do you, do you currently have a gym membership? Uh, if you do, okay, then why are you looking over here? Or when was the last time you had one? Just to get them kind of talking a little bit, I may talk about myself just to get them loosened up. And then once they do, eventually, you know, people will give you a reason, the real reason why they're coming to the gym. So usually I try to get them talking and figure out why they're coming. And throughout the talk, I'm asking them, you know, what are you trying to work on, this, that, and the third. And then I'm able to kind of show them different pieces of equipment in the gym that can kind of help them out. But ultimately, when they first come in, I just want to know why. You know, I can show them all the equipment in the gym, but if I don't know why, uh, I think it's kind of hard to keep them. Uh, in, in my opinion, because in the gym, in the gym business, you know, one of the biggest problems is attrition. And uh, I think the best way to get people committed is to get them going early on and uh, to figure out why they want to come early on. So that's that's kind of the first thing, man. It's really me just touring them. But while I'm touring them, figuring out why they here, uh, what's the biggest thing they want to accomplish. And, you know, I go on from there. Yeah, man. Figuring out that why is like the biggest piece of the puzzle. You know, it's like, what brought you in? You didn't just walk in and like, oh yeah, I just need a gym. Like, no, like there, there's something more behind it. You're just not yeah. opening up. Exactly. Yeah, man. Awesome. So let's talk about Anytime Fitness. You know, um, how many current mem- how many current members do you serve? Um, and roughly about what is the size of your facility? So my facility is roughly about 6,000 square feet, more or less, plus or minus 100 square feet. Uh, right now, uh, our normal paying members, I'm around 315, 320-ish, and uh, not, you know, I'm in Largo, so it's a big retirement area. So I'm not sure how many, but I got quite a bit of insurance uh, members as well, or PPVs is what we call them. Oh, yeah, kind of like, uh, like almost like silver sneakers is what we used to call them where, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. So I, I got that and, and those members, and then you know you got personal training as well, my personal training class. Okay. And so, you know, based on a couple of the notes here, you know, you're looking at, you know, wanting to get around like four to 500 members. Is that right? Ideally, ideally, that's kind of my goal uh, to get to four to five. Well, if I can get to 400, I'm, I'm happy with that. That's kind of my goal to get from that 315 range, get about 400. Uh, and if I can get about 15 to 20%, you know, of that 400 to be PT clients to get like a 15 to 20, uh, 15 to 20% penetration, uh, of those members and some personal training clients would be great. You know, th- those would be my biggest goals there. Nice. So obviously increase membership base and then, you know, get them to spend a little extra, you know, on personal training and things like that on top. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, you know, overall goal between, you know, the membership base and, you know, increasing kind of, you know, the, the personal training base, you know, like if you were to step back, you know, one to three years, three to five years, kind of like, where do you want to see Anytime Fitness? Do you want another location? Do you want to max out, you know, 6,000 square feet? You could probably easily fit, you know, like I said, five, maybe 600 tops uh-huh. um, before kind of being real, real congested. But you want to, you know, what do you want to do long-term with it? I think for this particular club, and I want to max out what I can do. Uh, and by that, I mean, like, Membership is one thing. So like I said, around 400 is a goal. And I think I'm happy with that uh, based on our square feet. Uh, our small group training, 
uh, is really good. I, I think we still have more room to max that out. Uh, but outside of that, right now I'm doing a lot of the personal training. So, you know, ideally a goal for me to maximize this place is to be able to uh, probably bring on another trainer and have somebody that I feel confident that can take over my one-on-one -on -one clients, as well as the classes. The classes, classes are not too difficult. And that will allow me to be able to kind of go full time and do physical therapy in the gym. Because right now, kind of like I said, my background is in physical therapy. So I'm actually seeing clients for physical therapy in the gym right now. So for me, if I'm able to uh, establish physical therapy routinely, uh, that would be me maximizing this space, having someone to run the training for me so I can step away and really maximize the physical therapy. I think that would be the greatest thing right there. And then once I do that, I believe it is, as far as expanding go, I think that maxes out this. I don't think I really want to do no more than two to three clubs. Uh, and that, that, that's kind of my idea. I got two kids, man. So like I see how much time it takes for one club. So I think two or three will probably be max for me. And I'm a, I'm a happy camper. Awesome, man. That's some good goals. Yeah. Especially you said kids, you know, it's like, there's a lot of time involved and times one thing we can't get back. So, you know, where exactly. do we, you know, maximize without maximizing us. Exactly. Awesome, man. Um, so, you know, talked about like, you know, leads coming in the door, obviously, you know, we talked about marketing things like that. You know, what, what things are you currently doing to bring leads into the door? Yeah, man. So mo most recently I was working with a company called uh, gym members now, and they're really good at pretty much, uh, Facebook, using Facebook to get you some uh, leads to come in. And I pretty much run six week challenges. Uh, it kind of helps fills up my small group training classes. And that's the most recent thing that I did. Um, so re really more so Facebook. I, I don't really do the Google uh, too much, but Facebook, I have them run the ads for me. They send a person pretty much all the way to the door. They have like a, a artificial intelligence system that kind of sets up and, you know, uh, sets up the members for you. So they come in the door and then I focus on the sales, uh, the sales component. So I do that. That's kind of like my biggest thing that I do. But outside of that, I still have a email chain that I probably send out where we have different events going on or I got different challenges that I want to run in the gym. Uh, I have a referral program um, for my members themselves. And, you know, those are prime, those are primarily it. But I, I do some print marketing, not a bunch, but I do some print marketing and some business to business, but primarily I would say it's through Facebook and it's through, you know, some type of uh, marketing company that handles the marketing for me, send them to the door and it's all hundred percent of it is geared towards training. I don't really do any um, marketing towards gym membership. It's more so towards training. Uh, as far as membership go, I think uh, I just try to do things to kind of increase my member uh, retention, you know, de decrease the attrition. And I, I pretty much go from there. Yeah. And, you know, with the leads coming in on Facebook, you know, is, is it something that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good number for you, something that you wish maybe was a little higher or kind of, you know, walk me through like, you know, the, the number of leads you're getting. No, man. I mean, it's, it, no, nah, those companies, they do a great job. I mean, Jim members now is one, that's the most recent company I work with, but no, nah, they're really good, man. Um, man, I'm just trying to think of a number. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I think in like over the course of like my first month with them, um, and I, I probably got, it, it was definitely clearly over a hundred leads. I can't remember exactly what it was. 
maybe from those 100 leads, I don't know, maybe 40 to 50% of them uh, actually booked an appointment, if I'm not mistaken. And from that 40 to 50%, you probably get maybe another 40 to 50% out of that to actually come in. So I would say, you know, for, for that particular month, we I probably had at least 40 to 45 people that actually came in that I had an attempt to sell on. So it, it, it was really good. They did a pretty good job. And I think out of, out of that 40 to 45 people, uh, I probably sold 20, close, close to 50% of them. So, and, and, and I was in one month on a six week challenge that we were charging around $600 uh, to enter in. So it was really good. I, I don't have any bad experiences uh, with gym members now. And most of those companies, they, they do a pretty good job at uh, just lead generation and lead nurturing and just getting a person to your door. You do a really good job at that, I'd say. Awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, so 20 ish. So, you know, convert conversion rate then is probably right around, you know, with like 50 to 60%. Ideally, that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm trying to get around 40, 45, 50%. That's good for me. Um, so that, that's typically what I look for. Awesome, man. Um, with, uh, you, you touched on retention just a little, uh, not too long ago, you know, kind of walk me through, you know, you know, what kind of attrition do you experience? And then what are some of the things that you're kind of, you know, maybe changing around, throwing in there to kind of help reduce that attrition over time? Yeah, man. So at best, my attrition has been like in the, the 30s, 30, mid 30s, 35, 40%. But like, as of recently, you know, I, I've gone up as high as 55% uh, at the most. So, I mean, some things that I try to do uh, is as far as member goes, I have member referral programs. I have like monthly uh, drawings that I do. So I basically like keep reports of members, how often they come to the gym. So, you know, we got like a top 15 members, how often they come to the gym. So I do like a little raffle at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, whoever comes the most or not whoever comes the most, but if you fall into that category, I'll do a raffle. So we do little prizes, uh, things like that. Um, and, and, and I think that's the main thing I do, man. I, I do that. I'm trying to think if there anything else I do to try to help attrition. I think uh, really just signing people up. I think the biggest thing to kind of combat attrition is getting somebody started off the right way. You know, I mean, it's, it's all kind of things that we can talk about, like after the fact. But what I think is if you get somebody started off right and actually utilizing the gym as a gym member, not a personal training client, but as a gym member, you got to get them going early on and consistently using the gym. Because if you don't and, you know, a month go by, two months go by, and they don't use the gym, then they eventually they kind of fall off. So usually early on, I'm trying to get them set up into a fitness consultation. Uh, I'm trying to get them set up with a 30 day workout plan or something just to get that motor running and build up that habit of actually coming into the gym. And I believe that that kind of helps combat the attrition better than trying to do it on the back end. So that's, that's pretty much it, man. You know, we, we kind of acknowledge our uh, members who come more often, but at signing them up at onboarding, I'm trying to figure out different ways to make sure they're coming to the gym. And we're reaching out a lot more those first 
90 days uh, from the time they're joined. Now, as far as personal training clients go, they're pretty good. They're, they're, they're pretty sticky. The, the attrition is a lot lower for personal training clients, but they're also active. Yeah, it's, you know, like you touched on, you know, get them started off the right way. So attrition is easier to keep down versus like they're already on their way out. It's like, okay, how do I save this person? Exactly. By the time you get there, it's almost too late, you know? Almost, almost. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to me about that, you know, like from from the time of sign up, you know, throughout their, their, their lifeline inside your facility, you know, like what types of, you know, follow-up processes do you have? Do you have like things in place where, you know, two weeks, four weeks, three months, six months, things like that, you know, kind of talk to us about like, you know, the nurturing throughout the time that they're there. Yeah. So well, we definitely got a, we, we got a, a follow-up system and, you know, it follows up with people at different statuses, whether they're a personal training client, whether they're a prospect, whether they're a member. So it follow up with them. Uh, I pretty much got templates kind of set up, you know, cause it, it saves me some time with me running everything. And from the time somebody becomes a member, uh, you know, they're going to get a prompt one day later for a fitness consultation and, you know, that type of deal from there, uh, seven days from that day, they get another notification. And then two weeks from there, they get another notification, depending on if they actually set up a fitness consultation. If they do set up a fitness consultation, then they fall into a different bucket of follow-up. Uh, and it, it follows them from there. So early on, man, I think within the first 90 days, uh, for someone who has not set up a fitness consultation within the first 90 days, you know, they're probably going to get, I don't know, seven to eight uh, different follow-ups, follow-up attempts. And most of those seven to eight is going to be within the first like month. They'll get those. And then it kind of tails off a little bit, but we definitely like uh, have a system pretty much set up in place to follow up with them early on, just to try to get them going, man. Awesome. So stuff in place. Just keep that, keep that, uh, the bug in their ear. Yeah, it is. It is it's, I got a bunch of templates, man. I worked on that for quite a long time. So and I, I think it works pretty good, man. It saves me a lot of time. And, um, some of the messages are automated. Uh, I got some that are texts, some are emails. Uh, some of them are, are phone calls. You know, after a certain amount of texts or email attempts, I actually put uh, a follow up to actually call the person if they're not responding. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, <clears throat> so kind of circling back to PT, you know, you said that the group chaining right now is, you know, pretty good. Like you're happy with where the numbers are at. You know, it's getting close to, you know, where it, it can kind of sit and do its own thing. And then you want to grow the PT side of things, you know, so with the PT side of things, you know, obviously there's a, a fitness consultation, et cetera, et cetera. You know, where, how do you respond to different people's ailments being, you know, on the physical therapy side and also the PT side, which I think both of those go very well hand in hand together. So, you know, kind of like what's, what's your approach with somebody say maybe, you know, they want to lose 10 to 30 pounds and, you know, maybe they have, uh, partially herniated disc and, or, you know, maybe they have like, um, you know, uh, some hip problems, you know, kind of like walk us through, like, what's the approach with, you know, the dynamic that you have going on there? Yeah, man. So pretty much all my members, at least the ones who do a fitness consultation, man, I'm the one who's actually doing a fitness consultation myself. So, you know, it's kind of hard to separate, you know, the personal trainer from the physical therapist in there. So, you know, when they sit down with me, you know, first we're going to kind of go over their history. You know, we want to go over their goals. We want to go over their why, you know, are they considering personal training and that kind of thing. But uh, also, you know, I'm going to go over uh, their health history, you know, and that's just the physical therapy side of me to see if they have any injuries, 
and that type of deal. So I'll review that with them and uh, see if they had any treatments for it before and just kind of see where they at to see if there's anything that's contraindicated in there where I feel like, all right, well, maybe this person may not be good for personal training right now. Maybe you should do physical therapy and that type of thing. So that's more in the form of a questionnaire and also just the one-on-one me talking to the person. Uh, but if everything checks out and, you know, we feel pretty confident by basically what they told me that we can kind of proceed, then you pretty much go and you do like a functional movement screen uh, to see how well they move and uh, to see if you see any restrictions in their mobility, any pain with certain movements uh, that would, you know, make it difficult for them to work out, you know, and maybe it may be some restrictions, but it may be some restrictions to where, you know, just provide a proper mobility uh, routine will kind of help free up that movement and put them in a position where they can actually live and do other things in a personal training. Or it may be something where you say, hey, you probably want to uh, hold off first and let's address this first. So it can go either way. But to answer your question, you know, we sit down first, we go over their history, and then I actually do a functional movement screen with them to see what they're looking like. And if everything looks good, man, I, you know, I take them through a workout. Uh, I put them on our in-body uh, scanner to check out their body fat percentage and all those things. So that's you know usually pretty interesting for them to uh, see where they're at with that. Uh, so we go over you know uh, what their body fat percentage should be uh, versus you know the skeletal muscle mass, uh, percentage of body water. We go over kind of all those things, man. So by the time they leave, I think that you know at the very least, even if they don't buy personal training, they're informed. And uh, even if they don't buy personal training, I still set up a thirty day workout plan for them because kind of like I said. You still want to keep them going. You want to, you know, try to reduce that attrition in every way you can. So even if I don't sell a personal training package, uh, I'm still going to give them a 30-day workout plan. I still try to set up 45 days later a follow-up uh, body scan uh, just to try to see. Because a lot of times people may not buy personal training the first day, you know, especially when they come into a gym where they're just looking for a gym membership. Uh, they may be a little nervous. They may not want to spend that kind of money. They just don't know you like that. You know, it could be different things, but... You know, if, if you got a good follow-up system in play, oftentimes I've had people who didn't want to fitness consultation or who didn't pur pur purchase a personal training right then and there, and they may buy it six or seven months down the road. So it's just good to have that good follow-up sequence. It's good to try to get people to get started uh, early and give them a plan to get started and just keep following up with them. You know what I'm saying? As long as you follow up with them and they're touching base with you, you know they're somewhat engaged. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. Just keep them engaged and be honest, man, I, I even forgot your question. I kind of went off on a tangent there, man, but yeah, that, that's my fitness consultation process. That's how I kind of delineate the physical therapy and a personal training, which kind of go together for a period of time until I see that their mobility is where it needs to be and they don't have anything that's contraindicated in, in regards to me working with them from a personal training standpoint. Yeah, man, awesome. Um, a couple of the questions here for you, you know, <clears throat> With, you know, Largo, Florida, you know, there's, you know, probably a bajillion different types of places around you, like other like fitness facilities and stuff like that, Sure. you know, just being what it is, you know, kind of where, you know, where do you either, you know, set yourself away from some things that the other places are doing, or, you know, do you feel like, you know, you have a pretty good base compared to like other facilities kind of walk us through like, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Just like in regards to like dealing with competition. Yeah. Yeah, man. So like, I just, like, particularly where I'm at, I mean, Florida's a beast in general. There's a ton of competition. Um, you know, there's a, a Planet Fitness that just opened up a mile down the street from me. 
I'm surrounded. I, I got a club Pilates. I got an Orange Theory. I got a UFIT. I got a sport. I got some of everything within a, a three mile, three to five mile radius. So I think as far as we go here at Anytime Fitness, um, me, I don't try to compete with what they're doing. Uh, so it's a lot of like low cost competitors. I don't try to lower my prices because uh, I, I feel like that's like a quick way to the bottom. I, I, I don't have like a 25,000 square foot uh, building. So I can't lower my prices that much. I can't fit that many people in there. But what I've done was I, I've started tiering my memberships. And, uh, you know, my memberships may cost a little more than, you know, the low cost competitor, but I'm adding on value uh, to my membership. So I got, you know, our normal access membership where someone, they just want to come in 24 seven, they want to be able to do their own thing. And that's fine, you know what I'm saying, for that price. But I also got memberships that include uh, nutritional guidance, memberships that include uh, a certain amount of personal training or kind of like your own post personal coach. So I got three tiers of actual membership. So pretty much at point of sale, man, you know, I'm trying to sell, you know, a high tier membership. I'm trying to sell some type of training at point of sale, even before I get to the fitness consultation. And I've been able to do that. Um, fitness consultations, you know, if I have to do that, I definitely do that as well. But a lot of times, man, I'm just trying to, you know, uh, put value into what we have and trying to really identify why the person has come here so I can show them the difference between our competitors. So I think that's a good thing too, man. Like always asking somebody, you know, why are they here? Uh, do you currently have a membership? Because sometimes people will tell you like, oh yeah, I do got a gym membership at this place. And it's just like, okay, so if you got a gym membership there, then what, you know, why are you here? Uh, and you don't, of course you don't ask it like that. You ask it in a nice way just to see what they say. And they may tell you, oh man, that gym is too crowded, man. Or uh, it's, it closes too early or different things like that. So, you know, usually I'm kind of using those things to kind of highlight what makes our club different and to try to break the apples to apples. Because a lot of times people may see your gym, their gym, they're cheaper, you're more expensive. That's it. You know, so you really don't want them to compare apples to apples, man. You really want to talk to them and figure out why they're there. So you can kind of show them and highlight certain things about your location that may be different. So. You know, that's one of the things I'm doing for competition. Uh, the other things, kind of like I said, I'm tearing my memberships, selling uh, training or different packages at point of sale. Um, and th th those, those are the biggest two things, man. Outside of that, you know, marketing more toward, more so towards personal training rather than the actual gym membership. I'm marketing, I'm pushing everything uh, on personal training. I'm trying to be more personal uh, with my members. You know, we're not a big facility. We don't have thousands of members. So, you know, for the 300 or so that I have and my uh, uh, insurance members, you know, I, I'm here all the time. I want them to know who I am. I want them to be able to uh, be able to speak to me and, uh, you know, basically just know who I am. And if they need anything, I'm here. So I guess, you know, tier memberships, uh, personal training point of sale, we're more personable when you come here. So th th those are kind of some of the biggest things uh i'm doing this in regards to like competition i suppose no great answer yeah i mean it's just always good to hear because you know there are so many places around and you know while you might not be the same concept like you know twenty thousand square foot facility it's like yeah. you know what what are you doing on the more intricate intricate side of things that you know other places aren't doing so sure and then i think you got to know your clients too man because like again you know comparing the apples to apples you know go back to that analogy man like I've had, um, I got one member, um, 
this is this is what I mean. You got to know your clients. So I, I have this one lady. She she got a membership at a low cost gym and she went for like one day, and it was so crowded. Um, and it made her feel self conscious. So she she came back the next day and she sat out there again. And this time she didn't go inside. She was just watching the people go in and out, and she didn't use the gym because she felt nervous i guess about being i don't know if it was self-conscious or what it was so at that time i think that just wasn't a gym for her you know what i'm saying so the person mm -hmm. may look at it like oh man i got a gym membership and i didn't use it uh and sometimes that's the case but i think what people need to realize sometimes you can find a gym that fits you so she didn't go to that gym because it was too crowded for her so she ended up coming by here and she wanted to join the gym but she wanted me to give her that same price and i was just like i, I can't do that and i explained to her why and after listening to her, I was like, look, one thing I can tell you when you come here is never going to be crowded. You know, you won't have that issue. Trust me. And she came, she used it for a while and now she uses the gym. You know, she don't come every day or anything like that, but she may come once or twice a week. Sometimes maybe she may miss a day, but she actually is coming. So my whole point of saying that is like all gyms are not apples to apples, man. And you have to be able to identify your, your members. So looking at her and talking to her, I know like this is kind of one of my ideal members. I think certain gyms almost have identities in regards to the type of people that work out at particular gyms. Uh, certain gyms have identities whether people know it or not. And it's not always apples to apples. Uh, so I think this as an owner, man, you got to be able to know and recognize your members. And uh, you also, you know, you, you got to be able to compete. So I think you do have to, you know, spend something on marketing, man. You, you got to market. There's no way you can win without some type of marketing. Uh, I would recommend digital. Uh, and then, like I said, just, you know, I sell tier memberships, man. At point of sale, I'm trying to get personal training. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, great answers. And, you know, obviously the, there's, there's method to the madness. So, yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, I want to open up and, you know, I like to ask these last few questions here is, you know, somebody looking to start their own fitness business, you know, whether it's a franchise, whether it's ground up, you know, they partner with somebody, you know, what kind of advice would you give them to, you know, get going? I think that, you know, one, you, you definitely got to have a passion for it and uh, you got to love it, I think so. And the reason why I say that is because, like, I opened my gym in uh, March of 2020, I think March 6th or March 9th, and that's when COVID was breaking out. Um, and I had to close my gym two weeks after I opened it because of COVID. Uh, I had employees and all this other kind of stuff, but I just started out. And, um, you know, I came back, man, I, ha I had to work it, man. I had to work it myself. I had to sit in there, you know. I had employees, but it's just like, man, you you don't got mm -hmm. the member base. You just opened up. You don't got the member base. You know, you're gonna have to get in there and work. So, like, if I didn't already have a passion for fitness and physical therapy and that kind of stuff, it would be difficult for me to come here every day and looking at it like, man, I gotta come here every day. I gotta train people, I gotta sign members up, I gotta do these different things. But I had a passion for the industry in general. But if you didn't have a passion for it, I think going through COVID. It would have been a hard time anyway because it was just a tough time. But if you didn't have a passion for it, I think it would be a tough to get through, man. So I think you got to have a passion for it. I think, man, do your research. Definitely do your research, research, research uh, before you get into it. And, you know, make sure you you, you are overcapitalized uh, because you got to spend a lot of money on marketing. Uh, if you're building a gym from the ground up, it's going to take a lot of money. Uh, a lot of times you can go buy clubs. I, I would say that that's that's one big thing I would say. You know, instead of building one from the ground up, depending on if you're going to if you're going to franchise route, 
you may want to see if there's any for sale. Uh, and uh, if there are some for sale, you may be able to get into that uh, at a much better deal. But I think that just having a passion for it, make sure you're overcapitalized because you're always going to need work with working capital in this industry. I mean, it, you just got to have it. So I, I think to me, uh, those are the biggest two things that I think of. Get a mentor if you can find one. Like I said, when I got started, I met this guy. He owned like three or four in my area. So I literally talked to this dude for like a year because I, I was very hesitant. And uh, he kind of helped me out with a lot of things. He kind of closed the gap, the learning curve, if you will, of, you know, what it would be like to own one of these things. So I think, you know, those three things, man, just having a passion for it because that'll help you get through those days when things aren't good. And, uh, you know, having a mentor, I think that's good. And have a lot of capital, man. Have a good amount of working capital, man. So put together a good business plan, man, because you're going to need some working capital. Yeah, absolutely. You know, business plan, capital, because you can't do anything without money. Sadly. No, it don't work. You don't fly without money, man. Yes, especially, you know, everything else going on, it's, it's you're just going to get more difficult with the interest rates and, you know, yeah, the list goes on and on and, you know, all that good stuff. But um, great answer. Appreciate that. Appreciate sharing that wisdom. And then obviously, lastly, you know, how can anyone reach your facility? You know, Instagram, Facebook, website, you know, how can they reach out to you? They're in Largo, Florida. You know, what's the best way? Yeah, man. So I said, I mean, you can always reach out on Facebook and Instagram. It's just uh, at Anytime Fitness Largo Mall. Uh, that's the simplest way to do it. Uh, outside of that, man, you know, we have a website, just our, our normal Anytime Fitness, web, Anytime Fitness website that the corporate provides for us. And you can just look it up on Google, Anytime Fitness Largo Mall, and you can send us messages or anything through there, man, if you uh, want to stop by the gym or if you want a gym membership, if you, live, if you live in the area. Awesome, man. Well, Tyrone, I appreciate all the info, all the conversations today. Uh, for anybody out there listening, that's how you get a hold of them. Go check out the area. If you're in Largo, go get a workout at any time. Um, and most importantly, if this story inspired you and made you want to be on the show, please click on the link below. Feel free to type in your info. We'll be in touch. But until then, y'all, that's another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. Gym Lords, out. Thank you for listening to this interview. But don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Wars Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Laura and Kat from Earth and Aerial Yoga out of Massachusetts. Hey, ladies. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, we're good. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. You know, we're really excited to have you on the show today, but before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you guys have going on and how you run earth and aerial yoga. First, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Hmm. You want to take that? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we are an aerial yoga studio that also offers lyric classes. Um, we specifically cater to adults, but we also have a good number of children's classes. Uh, we also run uh, aerial yoga teacher trainings and 
we do a lot of private groups and private events. So um, people who want to come and just try it out with their friends or a team building activity or Girl Scouts, uh, birthday party, any of those things uh, we, we cater to because a lot of people find it to be kind of a novelty thing, aerial yoga. So we cater to that side of things uh, through our private parties. But of course, aerial yoga for us is really a practice that you would continue to do week after week and so that's where we have about uh, 27 uh, weekly classes for adults eight classes for children um, so lots of activity throughout the day here okay so how did both of you guys get into i'll say area yoga because i think right. y'all have combined like a lot of experience yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's, uh, you know, we were already in the yoga world and I was at a studio that offered aerial yoga. So I just kind of tried a class on a whim and there's just something about it. I mean, I love my yoga practice. I still practice traditional yoga, but there's just a quality of aerial that uh, is very unique. Um, so I just kind of fell in love with it and wanted to do it all the time. And uh, it's just progressed to teaching and, and now training other people to teach. Yeah. For me, I have uh, been trained in traditional yoga as well. I've uh, been teaching for you know well over 10 years now. And at some point in time, I had tried aerial yoga. I enjoyed it a lot. And um, I had thought about opening an, a yoga studio here in Hudson where we are. Um, and I wanted it to be something slightly more unique than your traditional yoga studio. So I wanted to maybe add an aerial yoga component which is why I went and took Catherine's aerial yoga teacher training. And I really enjoyed the way she taught. I enjoyed everything about the whole experience. And I thought, hey, you know, maybe we can work together. And so we, we got talking and next thing you know, we were opening a studio together. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at you now, you guys are on a podcast together. Yes, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> so before you decided to open up your studio, what were your backgrounds? Was it fitness or something completely different? Um, so I was actually working as a speech language pathologist for almost 20 years. Um, and then I had transitioned out of that and was teaching yoga, aerial yoga exclusively at another studio for about three years and managing their aerial yoga program. Mm -hmm. And then that went into new ownership. And that's when I decided to go out on my own. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I was actually a, a journalist, broadcast journalist for um, a few years and then I transitioned out of that when I moved to the US and I uh, moved into marketing and communications consulting. Uh, so I was working for myself and doing marketing communications work for other businesses. And I, you know, when Kat and I met at that time, I had been thinking about opening, like I said, a yoga studio and it all just kind of came together. And when we we decided to open our studio, my whole goal was to transfer all my skills that I already had built in the marketing communication side to my own business. Um, and so that's how we that's how we made it happen. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that was having that skill set was very, very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So did y'all start from did you start from zero clients and have to build from there? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So talk to us a little bit about from like the both of you, um, very different backgrounds from the fitness industry, but if you could just list off maybe two skills each that have been helpful, mm -hmm. especially when, you know, just starting from no clients, like how do you go from right. zero to 50, zero to a hundred? Right. Um, 
I would say, I mean, I don't know if it's my speech background necessarily or just interactions with people, but I feel like I'm really good at sensing what people need. So if I, I mean, even the class I taught this morning, I kind of, it was all my regulars. They're all pretty advanced. I had like an idea in my head of teaching like a pretty challenging sequence and they all came in and their energy was really low. And I said, what do you guys want today? And they're all like, oh my God, we're so tired. So like I changed gears completely and just taught like a really slow, mellow class but I was able to kind of pick up on that. So, um, you know, even without them saying anything, yeah, you can just kind of tell. So I feel like that's a skill I'm able to read my students, even just in the course of a class, if things are getting too intense or things are too slow, I can adapt quickly. Um, that's one skill. Uh, second skill, I'm super organized. <laughs> I think that's just a, <laughs> a life skill I have. It's just my personality. So um, that's really helpful in running the operations side of the business. Yeah. For me, I think one is uh, I have also a background in sales. I've done sales since I was like 16 years old and different types of sales, phone sales and, you know, uh, big media sales and that kind of stuff. So I think that was really helpful from a marketing standpoint um, and just being able to transition to convince people, I guess, that they should not only try us, but stay with us. Um, and the other thing is, you know, I think my background in, in journalism and just ability to write and create compelling content was what has helped our brand to really stand out as professional and, uh, you know, well put together. So I think those are my two skills that I can quote for you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> so on the flip side, is there something that you came into business and you had to stop doing? Like this is definitely not beneficial for the business. Um, I think being in the weeds, I would say is something we've had to learn the hard way. Like we can't, we can't be doing all the nitty gritty day-to-day -day tasks and still be able to run the business from a bigger picture. So we've started to hire people for admin work, to work the front desk, things like that. But it took us a long time, social media, it took us a long time to recognize we couldn't do all the things and that we needed help. Yeah. yeah. And I think also to kind of go along with that, that same vein, I think perfectionism, which we both mm -hmm. are yes. <laughs> big perfectionists, um, it's very time consuming and letting go of that need to control every small detail yeah. um, is really difficult. And we're, I am personally still challenged mm -hmm. with it every single day, um, but it is something we're trying to work on. And, and, it, it, and when hiring other people, as Kat was mentioning, we're looking to expand uh, or, or not expand, but we're looking to uh, for her and I to look more from the 10,000 foot view versus like the day to day. So we want the day to day to be filled by other people. And that means letting go of the desire to be perfect in every single thing we were otherwise doing ourselves right? Uh, and allowing other people to make mistakes and not do it like you do it, mm -hmm. but still manage to finish the job. And, and yeah. so that's, that's something that's been really hard for us, but we're working yeah. on it. <laughs> that's, that's really good to hear. I talk to a lot of gym owners every day, of course, and that is honestly one of the biggest challenges is learning how to let go yeah. not be perfect, and also, but also delegate. Mm -hmm. um, right. So I guess, did you guys get to like a breaking point where you're like, okay, we just have to do this? Or was it more, um, was it like reactive or proactive? That's my question. 
I don't know. I would I would kind of say it was like a gradual realization. And we definitely enlisted help before we got to the point where we were like ready to tear our hair out. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. All to, right. some, to some extent, there was some reactivity to it, but but for sure, yeah, we, de- we definitely got there gradually. But I think there was a realization at some point, like we just cannot do all of this on our own. Yeah. And, and there's also an element of like, all of this costs money, right? right? And so at first, when you're just starting out, you're doing everything yourself because there's no money to go right, around, right? right? But then eventually, as the business grows and you start to be able to see some income, then you can feel a little bit better about, okay, my time is worth this much. And if I'm spending my time working on these minute tasks that are not necessarily propelling my business forward, they're just filling in these necessary, but, you know, smaller gaps, like then you, you start to realize, okay, I need to move into the bigger stuff because that's really going to help me grow my revenue and grow my business. And then I need to fill these, you know, the smaller tasks somebody else has to do. And I'm happy to pay them because my time is worth more as the owner and as the kind of visionary. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember when we first started, like the thought of paying somebody to, do whatever it was like oh my god we can't afford like every every little every hundred dollars we spent on one little thing was like oh should we spend it should we not and now we're just like yes let's hire the professionals yeah. to do it better than us or instead of us and yeah. we recognize the value yeah so are there what specific things did you guys decide to outsource well like i said a lot of admin work we use mind body for our software it's mm-hmm. um it's quite robust, but very complex. So there's things that need to be fixed and adjusted and processed all the time. So we have somebody doing that. We also use another um, client interaction software called LoopSpark. So we can text or email our clients directly. They can you know, send us the text asking us questions or whatever. So I have somebody managing all those communications. Um, she also handles sales. So she's at the studio catching people as they end their intro offer, trying to upsell them a membership, things like that. We also uh, have a social media manager who does our posting on Instagram and Facebook. Um, who else do we have? We're, we're in the process of hiring some front desk staff. So just somebody here to greet, answer questions, check people in, just so that it's not, doesn't all fall on the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Laura, did you have anything to add? Well, other than we kind of just lost our social media, (laughs) so we are looking to replace them. Uh, But other than that, we are, I would say, yeah, that's, that's where we're at in terms of hiring. And, you know, progressively as we hopefully grow, continue to grow, um, you know, there are other things we'd like to, to kind of outsource. Um, But, you know, we have the usual, uh, contractors like somebody that helps us with our website from time to time even though I manage most of the content there's some technical things that I can't do myself so we we hire uh, or you know hire out for that um, you know we're kind of in the middle of going through a bit of a rebrand um, process so we've hi- you know we're hiring somebody on that side so we you know we work with professionals and we recognize that previously when we first started we kind of strapped together a look and feel of our brand, but now we're at a, you know we're at a point where we're like we're quite pro at this point, so we really should should look at it in every way possible. Um, so you know we do what we can to do it ourselves, but for the most part, it, it's time for the experts to take over. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so good point that you bring up there too. 
um, mar- let's talk about, about marketing because you, Laura, you have that background yeah. in marketing. Where did you guys start? Because you guys didn't have any clients at first. Um, what was the most important thing you did like right off the, right off the back? And then has that evolved to what you guys are doing now? Well, I would say our very first thing that we did is we had an open house and Laura can speak to how we marketed that, but we had over a hundred people turn up on that very first day and got a lot of people to sign up for classes, right? We did like little sample five, 10 minute classes so they could kind of try out the silk. And I remember the very first class that I taught, which was the very first class that we ever ran was sold out, you know, and, and people were interested in trying it. So it, our biggest source, I would say, is word of mouth. So once we kind of got the ball rolling, you bring a friend, you tell your cousin, whatever, um, and the word spreads that way. But Laura can speak to more, you know, yeah. concrete marketing strategies. Yeah, I mean, initially, uh, so to be clear, I don't have marketing background from an educational standpoint. I've Everything I've done is kind of self-taught. My background, like I said, it was in journalism. So my real strong point was just being able to write. um, And and then the sales background is being able to kind of reach out um, and and not be afraid to really like hard sell myself or my business or whatever. Um, And then just being good with words, really. So I used right in the beginning. I mean, the reason we had over 100 people here was because A, Kat and I um, both have you know, personal networks in the area. You know, I, I live in Hudson. Um, she lives in another town nearby. And we obviously spread the word to our own community. But then there was also a lot of uh, digital marketing that we did. So at the time, I believe I used mostly Facebook marketing. Um, I, you know, have prior to working for my own business, as I said, I was working for other businesses doing these types of things. So I had a lot of experience doing things like SEO and and search marketing and um, you know, PR, uh, you know, just knowing how to write a headline and, and I had a great network of media contacts that I was able to reach out to and, and, and just get the word out. Um, so, you know, as so we got into local publications, things like that. And so all those things together combined, we were able to pull together a good crowd. And then the next step is, of course, once they've come into your space, how do you keep them here? So then, you know, like Kat said, right off the bat, we obviously created a great experience for them. We showed them what aerial yoga looks like. We gave them opportunities to sign up for a really low rate. We also had an, um, a, uh, what was it called? Our, our first a founding member special. So our founding member special, which was basically, if you sign up with us, it's this crazy low price that you're never, ever going to get. Nobody else is ever going to get. And it's going to be yours to keep for the rest of your time with us. Like we'll um, never, ever raise your rate. We'll never, ever raise your and rate. If they, you, if they signed up before, before we, opened, we opened or maybe yeah. like during the open house, they could get yeah. it. Then after that, it was gone. Yeah. And we still have people on that, on that, that have been with us since the day Four we years. opened. Yeah. yeah. And to be, and just to give you an idea, that was, I think it was 80. It was $99 a month. Yeah. And our unlimited membership now is one ninety nine. So it's over the four years, it's doubled in price. And those people are also paying 99. Yeah. But they were, you know, to us, that was an important first step because those were the people that filled our classes to begin with. Right. So Mm -hmm. we feel like it's absolutely fair to reward them for their, you know, loyalty. And obviously they've, they've spent a lot of money with us over the years. So um, it was well worth that um, initial investment for sure. So do you know, like, how long does the average person 
stay? Because I know you, you said you've had some people since you opened four years ago, but like, what's the, like, how long does somebody stay like on average with you guys? Huh, I have to let Kat talk uh, about this. She just stepped out for a second. Uh, but uh, I would say, so, you know, we have people that come in through our intro offer. So we, this is our first point of contact with most people. They start with our intro offer, which is uh, $99 for a month of class or 95, sorry, for a month of classes. And it's unlimited. So they can try all of our classes, however many times they like. Um, which is, you know, most people find that to be a great deal. So when they come to try one class, they're like, okay, I'll just do the whole month. Um, so our, I can talk about our conversion rate, for example. So from our intro offers, our conversion rate is between 20 and 30%. Um, so that means people from there go on to either some kind of monthly membership, uh, which we have a couple of different tiers, or they go on to buy a class pack, uh, which is usually about 10 class packs is, is I think for both of our aerial yoga and um, lyric classes. So um, in terms of how long they stay, that's really quite varied. So a lot of people, um, you know, move out of the area or lose, uh, you know, interest in a regular practice. Um, so, it, you know, but I would say, Again, I'd have to let Kat speak on that, but I think we're probably looking at at least six months um, where, you know, people are just regular members. But that's very skewed because, again, on the top end, we have a lot of people who've been here for four years and for, you know, two years or whatever. And then on the bottom end, we have a lot of people who stay for one or two months and then move on. But Kat is back. So yes, okay. she was asking, um, what is our average kind of retention? How, how long people stay? I mean, I, got, I don't, I'd have to like run a report. I'm, I don't really know that off the top of my yeah. head. I would say a lot of people come from further away because it, we're like kind of the only place around and this is a unique offering. So sometimes it ends up not being as sustainable for people as they initially hoped. So they make the 45 minute drive once a week for a few months and they're like, I just, you know, can't keep this up or whatever. So I feel like they're, that works us again, works against us a little bit, but um, the people that are local, like I said, with the people that are on unlimited membership, I don't know, they stick around for a really long time. <laughs> so that's yeah. good. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about challenges and then also the vision that you guys have for Earth and Aerial Yoga. That's it, I'm twisted there. Um, <laughs> is there anything specific that you guys are finding challenging right now? And if so, like, what are the steps that you're taking to overcome whatever obstacle it may be? I'd say probably one of our biggest challenges is, um, oh, yes, yes, sorry. Uh, one of our biggest challenges is, you know, figuring out how to automate everything or as much as possible and create systems that are sustainable and can carry us over a long period of time so that we can step away from the nitty gritty and get into the, uh, you know, driving the business forward from a um, kind of a larger mindset. And I think 
we always feel like, okay, we figured this thing out. So now we should be free. Like we should be coasting. And then of course, every week or every month, there's something new that comes up and we're, you know, running again, like crazy. So mm -hmm. I think our biggest challenge is finding a place where we're coasting and maybe there isn't that place doesn't exist, <laughs> but we really, we really want to find that place where right. we are a little bit more settled into who we are, how we operate, all the you know, uh, different parts of the business are being taken care of in a very systematic manner. And we're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again, like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And we're not quite there yet. So that I think is our biggest challenge at this time. Okay. So basically figuring out automation and then creating systems is ultimately going to lead to you guys having more time. Yes. yes. Okay. So with the time, that you're going to get back, like, what are you going to do with it? Relax, do other things. <laughs> Spend time with our families. I, mean, yeah. I have little kids at home, so I'm always feeling a little bit torn about uh, not spending enough time with them because I'm always, mama's always working. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and my kids are juniors and seniors in high school, so I've only got a little bit of time left with them. So I want to be, you know, as present as I can right now while I still have them. And just taking care of our own selves you know like we we live and breathe or we preach I should say wellness and taking care of yourself and all that stuff and so I feel like we should do that more for ourselves as well and um I would I, I would say I'm actually yeah, really I good at that say, I, say, I think Kat is much better but she does have older kids so that does help right yeah. um, but yes for me my personal goal this year is to really be able to do that a little bit better um as my kids are starting to to get older a little bit so um yeah but the business is a priority for us as well because we do feel like we've created something out of nothing. Like you said, we started with zero clients and now we have, I mean, we have a database of over 3,000 no, people. over 5,000. Is it five It's now? over oh 5,000 people. Yeah. yeah. At some point in time, attended our studio. Or, then, or like interacted or with interacted us in some way. Yeah. yeah. And then we have, in terms of regular monthly members, I think we have 80 or something. Yeah, we have um, almost 80 mem people on some sort of membership. And yeah. we have about... And that's adults only. And then there's also yes. like our kids program. Yes. Which is pretty and massive. then like the number of visits we do per month is around a thousand. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, we've <laughs> built something pretty amazing and we don't, you know, we're not looking to like walk away from it, but it would be nice if it wasn't um, so top of mind all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Completely understand. I really like the point that you guys bring up about just having the time to spend on yourselves and take care of you as well. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. at least I think that that would benefit the business too mm, oh 100 yeah i mean yeah. i think it's important i mean you know for us to be here taking classes at our own studio for people mm -hmm. to see us you know I, I i think there's value in that for sure so last question that i have for you guys is if you could just paint us a picture of the future for earth and aerial yoga mm -hmm. where do you want to take things are you mm -hmm. good where you're at are you in a phase where you're growing or do you want to open up multiple locations you know well we thought we wanted to open up another location we've been actually shopping around for probably about a year and a year and a half and then we found something that was actually potential and when it came down to like okay are we going to do this or not we both actually decided we didn't think this was the right time and it's kind of for the same reason Laura was just talking about she's got little kids she wants to spend more time with I only have a little bit of time left with my kids do I really want to take on this whole other 
project right now. So I think ultimately it would be nice to grow in that direction and have more than one location, but I don't think, you know, long-term, right? Not right now, not right now. So our goal, you know, for this year, next year is just to focus on really maximizing the revenue of this current studio, um, which, I mean, we're pretty damn close, I think, but, you know, we still have pockets of time where the studio is not in use. So just figuring out ways to just sort of maximize the use of the studio um, and continue to grow our membership base. And also perfect our uh, systems so that we can easily then transfer that onto a right. new space or, or or many more new spaces. Right. You know, my, I, one of the things that we did very early on, which Kat was like, why are we even doing this? <laughs> was um, to get a, a, not a patent, what am I talking, thinking of? A trademark. A trademark, thank you. To get a trademark on our name. Um, and at the time, you're kind of like, oh, why are we doing this? Like, we're just this new business and who's going to want to infringe and like, why does it matter? But I was like, you know what? In my mind, I would love for us to be like a 50 location place like all over the world I would I would love for us to be these um, kind of trailblazers because aerial yoga is still a very new thing there are many places in the world or even in America that you will go and they do not have a studio anywhere nearby yeah. I mean, we're one of only two or three studios in, in Massachusetts that actually offer regularly scheduled classes so there's a huge opportunity there it is uh it is definitely in its nascent stages, this particular style of yoga, and we would, I would love for us to be the driving force of making it as big. At, I mean, maybe it's never going to be as big as traditional yoga, but but making it like a thing everywhere yeah. in the world. So yeah, it's definitely that. like an untapped potential. I think, yeah, and even the, the studios that are in Massachusetts, aerial yoga is more like a. I don't know, a side thing or whatever. They have a couple of classes a week or something like that. Whereas we're like all aerial all the time. And, and, you know, we didn't know if this business model would work or not because it doesn't really exist here. Um, and it, we've determined that it does. So now like, why not take it elsewhere? Yeah. All righty, ladies. Well, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. All right. We're in Hudson, Massachusetts. Uh, there's not really many other businesses like ours around here. So it'd be pretty easy to find us just by typing in Aerial Yoga Massachusetts or Aerial Yoga Hudson Mass, but we're at earthandarialyoga.com and you can find us on all the socials at Earth and Aerial Yoga. Alrighty, y'all. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and definitely looking forward to seeing you guys, what you guys can accomplish down the road. Also, to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lewis out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, 
or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, our guest is Kyle Fitchy of One Boulder Fitness, coming to you from Boulder, Colorado. Kyle, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, Joe. How are you doing this morning? I am or, doing I guess afternoon in your very, case. very well. Yeah, <laughs> a little time change here. Thanks to Zoom. Yeah. Shout out technology. Um, anyway, Kyle, obviously our our conversation is going to be geared around one boulder. What you guys do as a business, lessons learned, experience gained, wisdom, all of that. I'm a big believer in context, though. So for the people who aren't familiar with one boulder, start us off with some background here. When you describe what this gym is to people what do you tell them yeah so we usually lead off with locally owned um it's one of the things that people especially in the downtown area of boulder really really find value in um Mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that that's that people know it's a small business um it's a boutique style gym so um, not not one of the bigger box styles, which again, those things are wonderful for what they offer too. Um, but for us here, you know, the smaller, more community-based approach is definitely something that that we're proud of, and we want people to know that we're here. And if and if it's more than just fitness that you're looking for, if it's a, a place to be where you're not just a number or a body, um, you know, definitely come check us out. Yeah, I think there's certainly a place in the market for the mega corporate conglomerate fitness, mm-hmm. $10 a month. Everybody knows what iterations Absolutely. there are. Absolutely. You guys, you guys take the opposite approach a little. We wanted to provide a product that was a little bit more, quote unquote, hometown feel. It It has some element of people actually knowing each other's names and communicating and people are Mm -hmm. more than just a credit card number at the end of the day. Am I understanding properly? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Bring me back. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, no, I was just, you know, we totally value everybody that walks in the door, whether you're employee, a member, a guest, whoever it is, you know, we want you to walk away feeling like, you know, you had a good time while you were here. Yep experience is is a word that comes to mind when you describe all of that okay now uh tell me a little bit about how you became involved with it as i understand the business existed before your ownership tenure so Mm -hmm. walk me through kind of how that all happened and at the same time spice in some some flavoring of what it was like to become part of an existing business as an owner yeah so um Let's see, the business was founded in 2004. I didn't join until 2010. At the time, I was just working as a front desk attendant. I opened the club five days a week. Um, 
had to be here at 4.30 in the morning to make sure the club was open at 5. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, from from the way I was brought up, I just always approached it as try to operate the place like it was yours. Um, so at 5.30, at 5 in the morning, you know, none of the uh, management's in for another four hours. So, you know, it was on me and the other people I was working with to try and make sure the club was still operational. So did that for about a year. Um, unfortunately, I think there was a financial crisis that happened earlier in the 2000s, uh, maybe in the late. And you talk about crisis on this podcast. Usually it's the more recent one, but we're going way back on this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'll just give it. So the club ended up downsizing a little bit. And now and that's why it's now the 10,000 square foot place that it is. It used to be a little bit bigger. I see. Um, okay. And then when we downsized, um, they asked me if I would do membership sales. The original owners did. So I did that for about three years, which I had no sales experience at the time. <laughs> so that was uh, I what learned a way to learn, though. Yeah, yeah, totally trial by fire. <laughs> um, so I did that for a while, and then they wanted to make a switch with our general manager, and they brought somebody else on. And so she then asked me to be her assistant manager to help do some of the uh, operation stuff that she wasn't as familiar with. And I did that for about a year. And unfortunately she then had to leave, which is too bad. I learned a lot from her. She was a wonderful person to work with, um, but they made me the general manager. And I did that for about three or four years. And um, after a while, I just kind of got burned out with, uh, with the way things were operating. Um, no fault of anybody's necessarily. So I left and uh, was gone for a year. And then when one of the trainers, whose name is Carrie Kerner, uh, decided she wanted to buy the business from the previous owners, she asked me to come back to help run the place. And so in July of 2019, I came back as the general manager once again. And then obviously there was another crisis that happened. One or two. That's right. <laughs> um, which we're all still working through. Uh, and then in August of 2021, um, she and Michael Robillard, who's the other owner, uh, we had a conversation about me buying in as an owner. Um, Part of the reason was I was already in their minds operating as such with the way I was approaching the business, especially when Michael had to leave mm -hmm. and just having to sort through all of the different, I mean, you're in New York, you know about all the different things, hoops that gym owners and stuff had to jump through during that whole time. Yes, I do. So yeah. we had uh, plenty of things in place to help combat the uh, the pandemic here so having to navigate through all of that and whatnot yeah i was already operating as such so started buying in and as an owner so the, and, the opportunity uh, presented itself for you yeah. to to formerly take on the role that you yeah. were somewhat already yeah yeah part of okay yeah what's what's the biggest difference for you from the time before you were formally or officially an yeah. owner to now, how do you, what's kind of the compare and contrast those times for us? Um, you know, 
other than just acknowledging that there's more of the financial part at stake for me now, not much has actually changed because again, of the way that I was, that I had approached working here in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, always trying to make sure that we could do the best we could for our staff and our members and guests. Um, while also acknowledging the limitations we had because of, especially because of the pandemic and financially what that did to us. And you know, we closed for, I think, two months during the pandemic. And when we got back, the, we had so many things we had to deal with. The surface on our hot tub cracked. So we had to repair that. Um, we were having issues with the steam room. One of our, our, both of our washing machines broke. I mean, just so many things and. No shortage of challenges. That's yeah. And so it was, it was navigating what, what we could do ourselves versus what we absolutely could not. And, you know, it's kudos to the staff that was able to help out and, and such too, because we, we resurfaced our own hot tub. None of us had any experience in doing that. Um, my fiance came in and helped me. We regrouted the whole steam room. Um, unfortunately, some Not of the quite bigger... things that you think of when when you're yeah. dreaming of yeah. opening up a gym. These don't quite come <laughs> yeah. to mind. Yeah, you don't think of any of those. <laughs> you know, like I, I taught myself how to uh, do drywall patching. Um, yeah. just so many different aspects of it but again you know the nice thing was our property management uh, was so willing to help us out a little bit with with uh, with our lease payments and giving us discounts at times because I mean when, yeah. when, the, pandemic, when the pandemic hit us we lost half of our members just like that um and yeah. again, to, to have that happen, especially not even a year after the club was purchased was so heartbreaking. Right. You know, we're still slowly climbing out of the hole, yeah. but things are really looking up. So a lot of people listen to this podcast exclusively for different or better or new ideas of how to just get some new people through the doors post pandemic for you guys what has been working and, and maybe what hasn't been working so well from a marketing standpoint you know what's really worked is our personal training uh has shot through the roof um one of the things we had to do after the pandemic happened or well once the pandemic happened and we shut down is we got rid of our whole class schedule um, we tried to do the online offerings and none of our members were interested. I think we tried it for three or four months. And I think we maybe had two people sign up during that entire time for an online class. Uh, you know, part of it, I think, was we just weren't set up for that. We tried our mm -hmm. best, um, but there were so many different online offerings <clears throat> that it was hard to really jump into that, especially if you weren't ready to go um yeah but then you know a lot, that, of, a that, lot of infrastructure behind the yeah. scenes oh yeah needs of, to happen. Of it. proper cameras lighting sound editing stuff like that 
we didn't have any of that. And especially once once we started losing all those members, we also didn't have the income for it. So, good but then personal yeah. training helped fill that void um, because there were still people who needed something. And the nice thing was, is then the personal training really gave them a little something extra that the classes weren't, and that was personalized attention. Um, yeah. In a model like cons, this, those those add-on and those bolt-on services, personal training, a good PT department can make just as much, if not more revenue than general EFT yeah. membership just yeah. because of how we price things. We can really, really make up some ground on a higher ticket yeah. offer than we can on the, the volume membership right. play. Yeah, it, it's a similar thing to... <clears throat> like what we were talking about earlier with the bigger box style gyms, right? With what they can provide versus a smaller uh, boutique style thing like us. So again, classes, wonderful. I have no problem with them, but it's not going to be that personalized thing. You're not going to get that one-on-one -on -one attention. Um, and especially knowing, knowing people as I, as I have started to learn about them over the years, um, personal trainers also act sometimes as like a unofficial therapist too. <laughs> <laughs> somewhat within our scope, somewhat beyond, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's exactly. the reality of the industry. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and, and especially as you spend more time with people, you start to open up more and, and the personal connections, again, it's right back to what we're all about. It's a community here. Like you mentioned, yep. it's an experience. Have you guys put any kind of money into into advertising or has this been entirely organic? We've tried a little bit. Um, we did some local advertising, um, some of it through like the high schools um, and then some of it through some of the um, um, like real estate companies like Remax and stuff like that. Um, but we never we haven't really seen much of a return on any of that. So for me uh from what i'm able to observe most of it is word of mouth um yeah. people have a, an experience and they want to bring their friends family and and so that's been a huge part of it cu which you know the uh, uh university of colorado is just down the street from us and they have such a huge facility but because it's so big and they have so many students sometimes people get kind of turned off by how many people are there and it just takes one person who's like, oh, hey, you know, come check out this gym that's just down the road or up the road, depending on your perspective. Yeah. And so how relevant with with that college or younger demographic, how relevant is social media to what you guys do? Um, I know that there are some people that check out like our Instagram and things like that. Um, social media is a little above my level of understanding. Um We've had people try and help us with stuff like that in the past, but again, like for me, I have some younger people here who help with things like that, with like the, uh, the Instagram. It's sort of the I, nature of the business again, for us. way over my head. Um, but what I try to do is help support people who want to do things. So if someone's like, hey, Kyle, I... You know, I think it'd be awesome to have this workshop. So like tonight we have uh, a workshop, which is a collaboration between one of our trainers and a PT who we started working with, which is another cool thing. We have a PT in-house now. A physical therapist. Uh, 
for people yeah, listening. Yeah, physical therapist. Sorry, yeah. Not to be confused with CPT, certified personal trainer. Yes. Um, correct. But uh, so tonight we have a workshop uh, based purely on helping people work through shoulder issues. Um, and so what I'm what I try to help them do because of my my limitations and my strengths is try to figure out how best to help support them with any ideas that they have. Um, Got it. So it's more of a specific to events or specific to something, not just in general, but we do have it. It's active. People can can find us on there. Yeah. I wanna yeah. I wanna yeah. move on here for a minute, Kyle, and, and kind of explore the next step. Obviously just getting leads and people interested is only half the battle in oh, a yeah, model totally. like this. Walk me through the quote unquote sales process. What happens? Somebody's interested, they reach out. Walk me through what happens for that person to eventually sign up. Uh, yeah, so all of the front desk staff is all trained to uh, to run through the sales process. Um, some are a little bit more involved because like uh, um, one of our front desk people, his name's Sharoon. He's just like, he just sees things in a marketing way. Like he just, he just lives and breathes sales. You, every interaction he has, you could almost see him just like trying to sell you on something. Um, but anyone who's interested, you know, they come in, we tour them around, we let them work out if they want to try it and then we can all get them signed up. But if they have questions about group stuff, uh, what membership wise, um, then that's more directed towards me because I have a little bit more of the nuanced thing and I'm the only full-time employee. So I'm the one who's always here. <laughs> um, Understood. Okay. Is it at that point of sale, whether it's front desk or whether it's you guys where we're trying to steer somebody towards personal training or is that we, handled later on? We offer them that uh, because we offer a, a free consultation to all new members mm -hmm. Um and then we encourage them to fill it out because if anything, uh, like Hannah, for example, she'll give them a movement assessment just to tell them like, hey, here's some of the things I'm seeing that you might need work with. Um, we, we will not hard sell them and we don't want that kind of environment here. Um, but again, uh, one of the things that we notice is just through a lot of interactions because our we're so personable here that sometimes people will just either approach the trainers or the trainers will start having a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, I really like what you're doing. Um, and, and it just happens super organically. I wish I could, I wish I could give you something really tangible to be like, here's the steps to follow in order to make this happen. I, I'm so blown away by, by how our tr personal training has grown. And part of it is, you know, just getting the right people in place, which Again, I wish I had answers to help. Hey, here's here's how you're going to go find those people. Um, again, I guess the only thing for us is just building a community where people want to be and help help each other grow. And sure, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but <laughs> it's it it's funny because even just the way that you describe it, most of the people that I talk to get into fitness for some variation of this noble cause. I just want to help as many people in as big of a way as I can. I think we should pride ourselves on that. It's, yeah, totally. I don't think it yeah. is cheesy. I, you know, like, I think that's, that's well, no, the just the way it comes of, out, right? It just sounds yeah, like- Maybe the wrapping like that we put it in. Card. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, Kyle, our conversation has been, how'd you get here? 
what is things what do things look like now paint me a picture of the future where is all of this heading what's what's the goal for one boulder in in your eyes at least you know i to continue to just offer such a great service to the people in the area whether you're high school student cu student um live work locally retired locally um you know we just want to be a place where people feel that they can come be a part of of something special um yeah i mean this this place just keeps making people want to keep coming back and including myself obviously yeah hopefully um, yeah and and it's just a, a wonderful environment um it's, you know, we we like to call ourselves cheers you know like the old television everybody show. knows your name yep. yeah and and it really is i mean i probably know more about people here than i do about some of my own family members because i see you them bet. So much. Yeah, you bet you spend more time around these guys than yeah. you do your family yeah yeah now one one sort of final question and, and this is the lack of sunshine and rainbows kind of question obviously <laughs> fingers crossed we don't have any more pandemics coming down the pipeline here um but as you move forward as a business what do you think could be some potential challenges or hurdles for you guys specifically i think any sort of if you follow any of the news if there is potentially any sort of financial crisis that's going to happen again that would be a huge blow to us um when that happened again in the early thousands i know it was one of the biggest leading causes of why the club downsized in the first place and again that's almost almost 20 years ago and the cost of doing business continues to skyrocket and as a small business that makes it hard to do business because you also want to pay the people who help you uh a good wage so that way they'll also you know that they know you value them um but yeah it's just that's probably one of the biggest things i mean we we live and work in a wonderful place here in downtown boulder it's beautiful here if you want to go on a hike it's literally like a stone's throw away from the mountains um it's a constantly changing area because of the um new startup businesses that come into the place there's a high school that's right there cu is gonna is there um so unless something huge happened where people started becoming get back to a point where they have to choose what their finances are and unfortunately gym memberships are always one of the first things to go yeah ain't that the truth and, and it's it is what it is how do we how do we find the crowd who are less willing to negotiate on that, right? How do yeah. we create such a bought in membership? Well, and also encourage, you know, it's an education thing too, is to, you know, gym membership is one thing, but it's about being physically active, right? And that's one of the leading causes to why we always end up getting sick or, or something bad ends up, or, or whether it be physically ill some mental things can help be helped as well with with physical activity 
And a gym membership is a gym setting, I should say, is a perfect place to help encourage people to move and continue to grow in that way. And it's super beneficial for us in so many ways. And unfortunately, when things like that go down, people just close up, right? You know, they try and protect themselves. And it's one of the things that goes. And then it's just so hard to get back into those swings again. Yeah. Once you're out of it. Yeah. The constant challenge of the gym owner. Kyle, that's, yeah. a, that's a great place for us to start to wrap things up here. But I want to save a minute or two for you to shout out where people can learn more about one boulder what's the best website for them to to find Absolutely. out what you guys do yeah oneboulderfitness.com come check us out um if you're local um come get a free visit on us come say hi uh if you're not local and you just happen to visit in in town um come check us out and uh we'll be more than happy to have anybody who wants to come uh come in our doors there you go this has been a bunch of fun kyle i, I always enjoy a chance to look behind the scenes in businesses like this to talk about what owners are really thinking about. So I can't, I can't say how much I appreciate you joining, but we're out of time for today. Well, I thanks wish for inviting me. The best. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.